We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Welcome to another audio adventure here on Insight with Chris Van Vliet. I am Chris Van Vliet. And thank you for joining us for what is one of my favorite conversations ever with the GOAT himself, Jim Johnston. If it's your first time here, make sure to click subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss out on what we have coming up. Jim Johnston is the man behind literally every legendary wrestling theme. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, The Rock, Mick Foley, Degeneration X, The Undertaker, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. During the course of his 32-year career with WWE, he composed more than 10,000 pieces of music. And then for some reason in 2017, they decided to let him go. And I think that you'll agree with me that if anyone deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, it's Mr. Jim Johnston. And I just loved digging into the process of how he makes a theme and just how his mind works. Also, through this conversation, I learned that Jim Johnston is available for hire if you're a wrestler or really just anybody looking for music to be composed. JimJohnston.com is where you can find out more about him. Take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening. Jim doesn't have social media, so just tag me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Nui Packer in Australia left this review on Apple Podcasts that says, CVV. Always enjoy listening to Chris's podcasts. Guy is definitely one of the best interviewers going, and I just all around love his work. Also, as a wrestling fan himself, he does a great job of getting the most out of his interviewees with his questions. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Also, a big thank you to Bobby Sudam, who out of nowhere, like an RKO, sent me a little something on Venmo. 
I have never asked for money ever on Venmo or PayPal. So this was very unexpected, but very appreciated. So in the theme of this, oh, theme, ha, see what I did there? If you would like to do the same as Bobby Sudam, my name on Venmo is Chris Van Vliet and the number one, Chris Van Vliet one. So thank you again, Bobby. Super appreciate you. My guest today is truly the greatest of all time. Please welcome the one and only Jim Johnston. It is such an honor to be sitting down with the legend himself, Jim Johnston. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Great. I think that your story is so fascinating. I'm so excited to dive into this because your music was the soundtrack to my youth. And it's, it's touched so many people. But I'm, I'm curious as we start things off, when did music first touch your life? Oh, early on, my, uh, my grandmother was uh, always singing. Uh, my family's from nowhere, from uh, Pocahontas, Arkansas. And she actually got a uh, scholarship to go to Juilliard to study opera. But, you know, that just was not in the car. And she was not leaving her husband in Pocahontas, Arkansas, to go study at Juilliard. Uh, but she played uh, the organ and sang every single week of her life in church. And she would always sing and play piano when we'd visit, go on vacation to visit them um, in the summers. Uh, my dad had an organ, you know, a crappy Hammond organ at, at home that he'd mess around on. But he also, uh, my parents listened to uh, a lot of different kinds of music. Um, I just always noticed music. I didn't, it, it's not something I can say I noticed in such a tangible fashion that like, it was like, oh my God, I've got to find some music to listen to. It's just, I always noticed it. I, I would hear it in other rooms. And uh, and then there was this uh, pivotal moment. My parents had taken my brother and sister and I to some kind of amusement park or uh, it was a big thing. Uh, maybe it was a World's Fair. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was some major league event. So we're walking around amidst all the rides and booths and all these different events. And I hear music playing. Mm -hmm. And we round this corner and I'm like dragging my entire family who's not interested in pursuing this. And I round the turn and there up on this stage is this band. Four guys, kind of very Beatles-esque, uh, bright red sequin suit, matching suits, just playing away. Uh, and I, I was like, if there are... If there are music drugs, I had 48 needles hanging out of my arms at that point. It was like I was in. That's all I needed to hear. It's like I'm doing that, um, which is interesting because uh, it's pretty well documented. I horrible stage fright. I, I, I can barely play my wife a, a new song without hemming and hawing. Um, so I never became a performer, nor did I really want to. But just I wanted that feeling that 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 you know just I, Chris I could have stayed there uh, for as 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 long as they could have played and just just the, you know I mean everyone 
has moments when they are truly moved by music where yeah. you know it can just it can take you from you know whatever mood you're in to it's like tears are coming out of your eyes yeah in a, in a like that in a heartbeat and uh that's what that moment did for me so from then on and uh, you know i begged my father to buy me a guitar and he wouldn't and he because he didn't trust that I'd stick with it because I didn't stick with piano lessons when I was a little little kid. Um, so he rented one for a year and I had to prove myself. Rented the guitar for a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he was depression era guy. <laughs> you, know, you don't just I mean, go down to the music store and buy guitars. You gotta, and now you, you gotta can earn play, it. Now you can play pretty much any instrument. So I'm curious, which is your instrument that's like an extension of your own body you can play it so easily and which one came really difficult for you well i do all my composer or 95% of my composing on either guitar or piano so it's kind of an equal shot between those um pianos much better for like anything that's going to be orchestrated because you as you play it's at least for me it's easier to hear imagine like oh this this thing i'm you know is, you know that that's going to be that's going to be the clarinet you know yeah. when you do it on guitar for some reason just a guitar is more a guitar yeah. so it's it's going to accompany uh, what you're singing. So for songs and guitars is the right direction. Uh, what's hard? Uh, well, what's hard are all the stringed instruments. Uh, they're so hard, in fact, that I don't play them. Um, <laughs> so they are successfully really hard. Uh, I don't know, you know, to get to get any sort of confidence level on a violin or a cello is that that's got to be the thing you do. Actually, that's I just read it. I know before we started this interview, I was telling you about this new little book that uh, Sting put on an Audible exclusive that everyone should read because it's really just an interesting look in through the doorway of his life. Um, I just read uh, a short thing um, by Yo-Yo Ma, which was. Mm. Uh, Hearing his story was such an inspiration to me about, uh, I mean, he really was a prodigy guy. You know, he was mm. better than anybody when he was five or something, you know. Um, but I, I don't know, I, you know, I get such, um, I don't know, I get such a reward from reading stories like that and their experiences. It's, uh, and any time I read a story from someone like that, uh, I, I'm not too big into the whole world of egos. Uh, but any time I go like, oh, I felt that, I feel like, oh, God, there's hope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, that guy was hungry at lunchtime one time. So we really share a lot in common. <laughs> So did you determine at a young age that music was going to be part of your life and you were going no. to find some sort of way to do this for I, a living? I wanted to, Chris, but, um, and this makes my father sound like he was really strict. He wasn't really a strict guy. It was just, 
I think kind of um, the overall vibe was, you know, and still is, if you wanted to go into music as a living, uh, that's a long shot. Man, you're really playing the long odds on that one. Um, so, because you, you need a bunch of things to come together, starting with, you have to have some innate skill. And if you don't have a lot of skill, then you have to be a combination of a tremendous performer and real PR skills about how to promote yourself above the fact that you're not particularly a good musician. Um, but, and some people absolutely pull that off because they kind of become a spectacle, uh, you know, and they surround themselves with other people who really kind of carry the load of the music. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I, I did, always did art, uh, what they call the plastic arts, meaning the phys physical art, either painting or, and, and I was kind of headed to uh, uh, a life of being an architect and graphic designer and uh, had uh, gone as far as uh, having been accepted at uh, uh, Harvard's, Harvard's architectural school. And right before I was going to go, I said, told my dad, I can't go. I, got, I have to try this music thing. And then where did that happen? He was happen? really disappointed. <laughs> I <laughs> bet. <laughs> so you, you know, you're accepted at Harvard, which is in a feat in itself. And then you decide to not go there. So then where did the path take you? What did you, what specifically did you do in music? Oh, it was the, the typical thing. I was working, uh, <laughs> supporting myself as uh, a carpenter and uh uh you know doing falling into the the forever trap of uh you know I, i'll do this during the day and then i'll work on my music at night yeah. so but of course by the time six o'clock rolls around you just want to go out with your friends and have a beer and then fall asleep because you're so freaking tired from the day uh that you're done you're, you're not you're not taking on a second occupation here. Uh, and, and something like music, it, it's not even a nine to five job if you want to succeed. It's, it's a, you know, kind of a 16 hour a day job if you really want to accomplish something. So obviously people know you for your time working at WWE, but yeah. what were you doing before WWE hired you? I was, sort of coming up the ranks. I was doing a lot of work for uh, uh, HBO and MTV and uh, Showtime and uh, scoring some stuff and doing all sorts of interstitial stuff. And, um, you know, anything I could get my hands on, basically, and just trying to work my way in. And uh, my favorite food which was a rarity then, at least in my neck of the woods in Connecticut, was uh, sushi. And there was only one place in town that had it. And the sushi bar was, it was really was a Japanese restaurant. And then the guy started a little sushi bar with like four seat. And then, you know, became incredibly popular. And then it expanded to maybe eight seats. But it was such, still such a niche item that it was like going to your local bar. You know, you see the same people there every time you went there. Right. Um, 
And so one night I saw this guy that I'd seen a lot of times and he said, can you say you write music or something like that? And then he explained that he worked for WWE and he was the art director for them. And uh, he had been asked to put together a video for a NAPI, which is a cable TV convention. Uh, and he said, I could stumble through and put together a video, but I have no clue how to put music to it. And, you know, if you want to give it a try. So I did uh, through that. I met Vince. Vince and I inexplicably hit it off tremendously well. And, um, and, and this is early on when there really wasn't entrance music. No, not there really wasn't. There wasn't entrance music. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite stories is Vince's father when uh, Vince bought the company from his dad. And he wanted to put music in and his father told him, if you put music to this program, you will completely kill this business. And wow. <laughs> so big miss by dad there. So, uh, uh, so I, Vince and I just sort of kept, uh, you know, developing the idea. Of you know, first it was really show themes, and then a couple of guys had a theme, and you know it's just it just one of a truly organic process. It was not a big plan. It was never like, okay, you know, right now we've got two themes, but by you know four years from now, I want to make sure that twenty seven percent of the wrestlers have themes. You know, it was. These two guys had themes because of happenstance. And then it's like, well, I guess it's working. Let's give this other guy. Right. <laughs> uh, then for a long time, it was only baby faces got themes. Heels never got themes because, you know, you had to make sure. And that's something I, I sort of pushed back on. Uh, um, you don't push back too much on Vince on stuff, but uh, and, and said, why, you know, heels should have good music. And, and if a heel ever had music, it wasn't music. It was like, you know, toilet flushes or something that clearly stated how you're supposed to feel about this guy. And uh, so finally, that, that tide finally turned as well, too, where, you know, uh, heels got good music, good themes, you know, because they're 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 no different than the baby faces you just love to hate them as opposed to love to love them what was the very first entrance theme that you wrote i haven't got the slightest idea <laughs> um or do you remember one of your first pieces of work um it was a theme for i, I think it was the theme for wrestlemania one I think okay. was the first thing was a sax big saxophone theme. Um, and the and the first time it was such a rush for me, the first time I heard my music played in an arena. Yeah. You know, and, and people responding to it. So it, that was the closest I'm gonna get to what people talk about when they do concerts and they get that connection with the audience and that uh that rush of that feeling so you know but up until you, you started working for wwe you're scoring tv shows and other things like that what are your composer friends thinking when you tell them i'm gonna go work for this wrestling company called wwf 
Well, I didn't have any composer friends, so that part was easy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the friends I did have, um, I, I think the ones that were, you know, close enough to know what I was doing and to really care what I was feeling about my life were, were just happy I was working, you know, and that, that I was seemed to be taking the next step. And in the early, not the early years, for the first, I don't know, 15 years, maybe longer, I'm horrible with time. Um, Vince and I were just, a, it was just a handshake agreement. I wasn't an employee. Um, and, and it wasn't like he didn't want me to be an employee or I didn't want to be an employee. It's just, we were fine with the way things were. It wasn't until he took the company public. And when that happens, then, you know, here we go, bring on the lawyers. And so they come in and they do all sorts of risk assessments. And they were like, oh, my God, you know, you're telling me this guy does all your music. You don't have them under contract. You can just walk out and go work for the NFL tomorrow afternoon. You know, that would not be a good thing. So then we had to have contracts. So I became an employee. I imagine, you know, as someone. And just, sorry, one other thing I would say there. Uh, uh, and in, in my uh, admiration for Vince is I think Vince and I would have worked till my last day on the job with a handshake and been perfectly happy with it. Wow. Yeah. Which is, you can't say uh, a lot, that a lot in this day and age. I imagine growing up loving music and then getting into being a composer. John Williams is, has to has to be someone that you look up to. He's I, he's I, I, he's he's a world apart. He's just a different category. Um, you know, Hans Zimmer is clearly a, a brilliant guy, uh, incredibly prolific. Uh, I love that he's very brave and loves to take chances and. Uh, I, I, I admire uh, his desire to collaborate with and learn from other people. Um, but uh, John Williams is just the way he orchestrates. No, nobody, it's like nobody has figured out how to do uh, work with an orchestra the way he has and the way he does. It's it just, um, and there, you know, there's this group of, of people, uh, mainly in Hollywood, who are really the top-notch people at scoring movies, and they're great. Randy Newman is one of my favorites. I love the way he writes, but more than anything, I love the way he orchestrates. And one thing for anyone who's into that kind of stuff, you should check out, because I always like to look at, you know, what... What are stylistic elements of people? And Randy Newman's orchestrating is just like James Taylor's guitar playing. Mm. Uh, they always have uh, hammer on, hammer on, hammer on thing. So James Taylor is always. Uh, I love that he has a guitar. Yes. <laughs> I, James Taylor is always doing. Uh, you know that. 
wasn't a hammer on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Randy Newman is always doing that same kind of hammer on, hammer off dynamic, but with violins and uh, and orchestras. And uh, it's always struck me as it's, it's so similar. But um, I, I was lucky enough uh, through a friend uh, to be in the studio, not that he knew it, with Randy, uh, when he was both uh, working on and literally conducting the orchestra for the movie, for Robert Redford's movie, The National. Oh, wow. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, uh, it was embarrassing because I'm sort of hiding in the corner. I don't know anybody there. Um, and I, I spend most of the day trying not to burst into tears because it was just, because I was saying like, oh my God, they're going to shut down the session and the session costs like $8 million a minute with this many orchestral players in the room. <laughs> and they're going to go, well, oh my God, this guy is having a nervous breakdown over here in the corner. What's the problem? But it was so staggeringly beautiful what, what the orchestra was playing and Randy's music. And and then I was in the control room, just sitting around, and this guy walks in, and boom, Robert Redford, and it was just like as plain as day. He saw me, he walked over, he goes, "Hi, Bob Redford." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, right. Welcome, welcome to the Twilight Zone." <laughs> you know, in in some way, your music has touched a lot of people in that same type of way. I'm. Uh, I know, but it's so strange because it, it it's so hard to process that, and and I I'm so humbled by it, and but almost embarrassed by it. Uh, you know, it's actually an interesting dynamic when when someone, particularly when it happens in person, and someone is. Um, you know, really gushing about how much you've meant to them or something you've done has meant to them. Yeah. And, you know, you want to honor that and be completely respectful. But at sure. the same time, you, there's this other part you want to say, like, hey, I'm good. You know, I'm glad you like this stuff. But um, because I think all composers... When you're doing what you do, you're just doing what you do. You're you, from that. You're you know. I, I'm not sitting around the studio going, "Oh God, Jim, that's really oh geez, oh, that was, oh that's really good. you know that's that that's going to kill people right there." You know, it's. I, I think you're you're no different than the fireman who's. He puts out fires. That's what his job is. My job is to sit here in the studio and compose music. Well, the thing is, you might look at it that way, but from the outside looking in, when when we're listening to your work, you are the greatest to ever do this in the wrestling business. Yeah, well, um, you know, and now I'm trying to break out of that, that business. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because I never... Um, I never was a wrestling fan, and, and uh, you know, I, as I said, I, I got in the door there, absolute, complete happenstance. Hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't like I was sending <clears throat> tapes to Vince saying, well, you've got to listen to my stuff, man, you know, because 
I've got this great idea. We'll, we'll, we'll do entrance themes for these guys, you know? Uh, so, but it, it just, it just steamrolled so quickly. And Vince was obviously he'd want to take, wanted to take the business over from his dad for a long time, or I'm assuming that, that he wanted to do that for a long time. Finally did. And once he had control, he just wanted to completely change the landscape, which he did. Yeah. Where does the process begin when Vince or someone in WWE says, we've got this new person that's coming in. We need a theme for them. Where does the process begin? Um, I, I never really got a whole lot of information, Chris. It was, you know, if I, it was uh, if I if I could see any video that helped tremendously because a lot of it uh, where I start generally it, is I I, I want to know a basic tempo a vibe so you know in in the extreme if it's a giant guy it's going to be a slower age. Sure. Big, heavy, slow, lumbering theme that uh, tempo that reflects. He's a big guy, you know. He's uh, so if you run fast, I would start doing that now. And and other guys are smaller and they're wiry and um, uh, you know. So they're 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 you you, you want to reflect that wiriness and that nervousness and that that, that energy. Uh, so you start there and and then. I, I just try to find something that resonates. So it really is, it's as elusive as I just sit down and start playing stuff and then suddenly, you know, it's it's such an odd process, but suddenly something will go, I, I, I'll just know like, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, you hear about writers getting writer's block. Does that ever happen have, to you in the music never, world? Never. Never, not a, not a moment in my life have I had writer's block. It's my, I, I, you know, and, and this sounds like, oh, poor you, but, I, but, you know, everything, even the best stuff can be in extremes where it, it's not helping you out a lot. Yeah. And I have been so graced to never have writer's block. But the other side of that, is I can't pick up a guitar or, or sit down at the piano or pick up a bass guitar without getting an idea. They just, they just come. So I've, I've got this backlog, you know, I, I keep all these ideas on my phone, or, you know, and before that it was on little, you know, those little handheld tape. Like a Palm Pilot or something? Reporters used to. Oh, okay. You know, you know, like what, what, and when they said best, you said what? Um, and, so I just erased this the other day. Um, so, and I'm already up to 73 ideas now. And, and I have these files and memos and, and each folder, I, I, I take them off the phone and, and archive them. Each folder must have, uh, you know, it'll get to about 200 or 300 when I'll, when I'll finally just say, I've got to get these off the phone. So that wow. I don't, so the phone doesn't break or it doesn't get stolen and they're gone. Uh, but I've got hundreds and hundreds of folders. 
of, of these things that I'd love to go back and go through. And I mean, obviously, you know, out of 70 things, I figure if I had the time, you know, which are worth pursuing to do a full recording, I don't know, 15, you know, well, I don't know what the odds are, but I don't have that kind of time, I, you know, it's, and so uh, it also produces another thing that's not particularly valuable for me, which is distraction, is I'll, you know, I'll be working on one thing while I'm working on that, I get a cool idea and I want to stop what I'm working on and now go work on the new cool idea because right. it, it's fresh and it's current and, and it's, you're, it's, it, that's exciting versus the less than exciting discipline aspects of sticking with it and, and finishing a composition. And my time at WWE was a blessing in that regard because the pace was such and the schedules are, of course, so demanding that I didn't have time to get distracted. Sure. You know, it's just keep shoving the forward. What was the quickest turnaround that you ever had for a theme? Like, oh, you know, my God. We oh, just probably. signed this guy. He's debuting tonight on Raw, Jim. Oh, that happened all the time. <laughs> I, oh, oh, my God. That, that, that was not rare in the least. But I, I you know, uh, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. I, whose you theme know, did you write in an hour oh, and a I, half? I, I have no idea, but I know that, uh, you know, there were definitely times when I get a call from wherever they were shooting TV and it's like, you know, we, we need something for this guy. You know, he's, he, you know, whatever he would, he, uh, the writers just decided uh, they were in tag team, but they're going to split them off. going to be a solo, need a piece of music, you know, give me anything. And, you know, it's, it's easy for them to say, give me anything, but I felt a great responsibility, like part of these guys' careers and successes were in my hands. And, you know, I, I think the the music now in WWE and in AEW, um, I think it's, sorry, this is me. Um, I, I think it's all really homogenous and really mediocre and doesn't have anything to do with the characters. And I think that's why there are less big stars. I don't think that there are no potential big stars in the rosters hiding there. I mean, before Steve Austin was Steve Austin, he was the ringmaster. And there are lots of stories like that, is that uh, these people need the right storyline, the right costuming, uh, and definitely the right music to lift them up because particularly the music is serving multiple masters in a way. It's entertainment for the audience. Mm -hmm. It's a big boot in the ass for the wrestler before they go out and to sort of get them in the headspace of their character and to kind of get them jacked up to, to do a great performance. And, if if you're in that situation, I can't imagine being in that situation where you know you're you're not really sure your character, uh, you know the, the storyline is sort of 
you know, I, I'm supposed to hate this guy, but I, why, why do I, I don't, I don't even know why I'm supposed to hate him. Um, and, you know, your music is just kind of generic wrestler guy music. Right. And, and you're supposed to go out there and be on top of the world and charm everybody else. And, um, I think that's a big ask. Well, your music ends up playing into who that character is and like it can often define what their gimmick becomes. I, I just had Chris Masters on the show recently. I can't imagine Chris Masters without that entrance theme, which then became his entrance, which then became a part of who he was. Well, but it's, it's, I always saw WWE as a live movie, you know, and, mm. and I always felt that I'm, I'm scoring the characters to the movies. Um, that their theme has to be just like the theme to Jaws or Darth Vader or any other Dr. Shivago, uh, you know, uh, Air Force One, you know, you have to hear it and, and think like, yeah, okay, here comes Steve Austin. You don't need to know anything else. Yeah. You don't need to know the storyline. Don't need to know who he's wrestling tonight. Don't know. You don't need to know, you know, what happened last week or what might happen in the next week. All you need to know is Steve Austin's coming out. It's like, boom, I'm good to go. I'm in. Right. Um, and, and, and you're instantly in that defiant, go screw yourself frame of mind. Um, and you take that out of the wrestling business. And, and I think that's, it's an enormous component. And so the audience is, you're, it's like you're putting too much responsibility on the audience to. Um... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's like being in a movie and the movie is not very good and you're not following the movie. Mm. So you're, you know, like you're nudging your girlfriend is like, so wait a second, is this the guy who we think killed the girl or, or do we think the girl killed the guy? Like I, I'm kind of lost here. If that's the audience reaction, then boy, then you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Mm. They they have to be the exact opposite. They have to be like, this guy did it. He's going to get his ass kicked, and I can't wait to be there to yeah. see when it happens. 
This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight. You know, you mentioned AEW and when they started, you were no longer employed by WWE. Yeah. Did they ever reach out to you to have no, you there? No, and it, it, I, it is always, just from a business angle, it has always amazed me. It, because I, if I was in the like boardroom or whatever, I'd say like, Vince just fired you. This is a way we can really stick it to him. Find that guy, get him in here this afternoon, you know? Well, think of how many other people they brought over from WWE, Jim Ross, Justin Roberts, and of course, Absolutely. all kinds of other, you know, in-ring Absolutely. performers. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, I, I don't know, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but hey. Well, I, I think the thing that was so great about your legendary themes throughout your career is within one or two beats, boom, we knew exactly who was coming out. And this is something that WCW never figured out. TNA never figured out. And unfortunately, AEW really doesn't have that either. No, they don't. And and the the, the biggest surprise to me was all my time at WWE. Music was really important to Vince. I mean, Mm. he, he clearly got the importance of it. And so something changed. Um, so, I mean, either it, the business has just gotten so big or I don't know, maybe he's a little bit older and just not, doesn't want to be so engaged on a micromanagement level and it's leaving those decisions to other people. But it seems like such an obvious thing, uh, in both WWE and AEW, well, you know, things aren't going perfect in here and our ratings certainly are not what they once were. 
what can we do to give this baby a shot in the arm? You know, that someone doesn't raise their hand and say, like, uh, everyone thinks the music's up. Maybe we could get better music. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. You know, but but it's a, I mean, you know, you're in Hollywood. It's the whole entertainment world. Uh, there's a lot of egos floating around. And yeah. um, many, many decisions are not based on logic, um, but they are based on, uh, you know, love or lust or hatred or resentment or, um, you know, yes, he's the right guy for the job, but, I, but we're not hiring him. Yeah. You know, um, it's great. I mean, it's crazy, but hey, that's the world in which we live. But with the amazing relationship that you had with Vince McMahon, you know, yeah. dating back to the eighties, did you ever think that you would get fired one day? Uh, not really, but in the last couple of years, I certainly did because there was a guy there who was trying to get me fired and hmm. trying to get me thrown out and get his people in the door. And, um, so you know, fine. That's that's the way the game is played, and but or that's but it's not the way I believe. So, so and I may I may be speaking completely out of turn here, but you're available for hire. You're doing all kinds of other work. Uh -huh. If a wrestler who wasn't uh, wasn't signed to a major company were to reach out to you, is that someone? Would you be able to make music for someone like that? I did actually for. Um, uh, um, oh my God, I don't feel it's, PCO. Um, yeah, PCO. Thank you. Uh, God. Uh, that's so mean of me not to remember his name. Uh, he reached out out of the blue, somehow got to me, and he was so kind and gracious and said, like, you know, this is, I'm, I'm taking an absolute flyer here. Would you even consider writing a theme for me? And this was shortly after I'd gotten out of, well, not that shortly, you know, but I don't know, six, nine months, year. Uh, and uh, I said, sure. Well, well, you know, why not? What the hell? I'm not doing that much else. Uh, you yeah. know, well, what, what the hell? And it'd be fun. You know, it, it's also when you do something for so many years, human <laughs> beings are very habitual. You know, and if you get in the habit of stuff, it doesn't just go away overnight. Sure. And so while I get a million ideas, um, song ideas, orchestral ideas, um, still to this day, I'll be messing around on something and I'll, I'll go like, boy, that'd be a great theme idea. <laughs> you know? I mean, you yeah. know, you just pick up a guitar and you're messing around and, you know, it's like, oh, okay. You just you wrote know. my entrance theme. Thank you. Know. <laughs> you know, you know you, that would be a great theme. And yeah. that's really how it happens most of the time. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess there are contractual problems, but it's also been a little surprising that some of the wrestlers haven't 
gotten in touch and who who are signed to AEW or WWE and say like, hey, I don't care, write it under an alias, uh, but <laughs> I've, I've got to get some good music. I don't know. I know, uh, you know, in the times before I left that there was a lot of uh, control issues going on where, uh, uh, the, you know, I heard through the grapevine that there were a lot of wrestlers who just hated the music they were being given, but they were also not being given any latitude to do something different. What I think is interesting is Shinsuke Nakamura's theme, you know, became a fan favorite. The crowd was singing along, but that wasn't, that wasn't originally going to be his theme. It was going to be Bobby Roode. The glorious theme was going to be given to Shinsuke Nakamura. And after speaking with you here, it seems crazy that they just had a theme. They go, this is a great theme. We just got to find the right person for it. Where you're doing the opposite. You're going, you're finding the person and then making music to fit that person. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't make much sense uh, to sit around here and compose music and then uh, say like, oh, this is, a, this is a great piece of music. I just thought, need to find the right film for it, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, it's like someone makes a film and then you write music to it. Yeah. It's, it's backwards. And, that, and that's a great point you bring up is probably one of the problems for sure. It's obviously going to be very difficult, like choosing your favorite child, but what do you think is your masterpiece? Oh, I, she's, I, Chris, I have no idea. You know, when I think about it, well, I don't really think about it, but like if I'm going through uh, old stuff, looking for something and I come across old themes and I go like, oh, that, you know, I really like that. And I have this, um, well, evidently, quite a few composers have this. Once, once you compose something and it's done, it sort of leads you, and mm -hmm. and it's it's out there. And so there there isn't. I guess there's a pride of ownership, but there isn't a uh, at least for me. There's not a like wow, you know, geez, I was having a good day when I wrote that one. You know, that's just great. It's much more like you're just hearing a piece of music on the radio that it's like, oh, that's one of my favorite songs. Mm. I love that song. You know, mm. I love that song. And and I feel that with absolutely no ownership whatsoever. It's it's just like, oh I, you know, it's it's like absolutely like someone else wrote it. And, but I love listening to it. So um, but it changes all the time. I mean, it just changes all the time. I mean, from a, from a, uh, what I get, what I read or, and what I get asked, certainly Undertaker seems to be up there, but I think that's mainly because of Undertaker. I mean, he's had, <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> arguably the most incredible career in the business you know, lengths and popularity. I mean, the guy's at least semi-retired now at this point. And he's essentially as popular as he's ever been. Yeah. And, and if Vince brought him to the show or WrestleMania or any other pay-per-view, he'd, he'd be the top card, probably. He'd probably be the most popular guy in the show. I mean, maybe except for Austin or The Rock. 
I think a lot of people would point to your DX theme, like that Degeneration X oh, theme was so good. I it was so good. I was like 15 or 16 when it first came out. I thought it was Rage Against the Machine. Oh, it's a funk song. It's so strange. It, it it sort of comes off as a rock song, but to me, it's a it's completely a funk song. Huh. Uh, like a like right out of uh, I don't know. It's sort of like rage doing their version of a Motown tune or something because it's 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 got this funk no it's it's not it's not a rock beat a, a rock version of it would be uh, you know be much more straightforward chunky but DX, the way I wrote it, it's much, it's much, it's bouncy. You know? Yeah. you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a funk song. I mean, I, 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 I'd love to do a version with like Cool and the Gang, and it these. I think if I did, it would make so much more sense as a song. <laughs> That'd be an Chris Warren, collaboration. Chris Warren's was Chris Warren was just great. God rest his soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Cool and the Gang being a cool collaboration, but think of all the incredible collaborations that you've done throughout your career. Which are the ones that really like really impressed you? Uh, well, I guess the ones with Motorhead were really exciting. Um God rest his soul I, too. Yeah, no kidding, Lemmy. Uh, and I, I think that was a, a good lesson in don't ever prejudge because uh, you know Lemmy has a pretty formidable reputation of uh, being a pretty wild guy and certainly a well-known uh, drinking problem, uh, but. Then to finally meet him and be in the studio with him, he just could not have been more of a gentleman yeah. you know, and a really interesting guy to talk with. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know, things are never what you think. The yeah. Way I, I want to ask you about one of my favorite themes, which okay. was. Oh, great. I love this. Billy Gunn's Ass Man song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get the idea for this? Um, I well, I mean, from from him because he already was the ass man. He was already wearing the you know the bathing suit. He was Mister Ass. <laughs> yeah, Mister Ass with you know ants across his ass, and um. just pulls me to this day and i i don't think most people get it is just the incredible double entendre pun of that song i just it still makes me laugh just right now the lyrics are incredible i love that like a man and it comes off like uh you know kind of a sexual thing you know and and yet his character was kind of a little bit of a buffoon in a way. Uh, 
and sorry, no offense to him, and I don't know if that was on purpose or just the way he played it, or uh, but I just love that, like you know, put a comma in. I'm an ass man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that he's the one ostensibly singing this about himself. I'm an ass man, <laughs> you know, and thinking he's putting himself over. It's just, but. It, that kind of stuff, that was the best of WWE. Where, when they have fun with themselves. And now everything's so serious. Everybody hates each other. And everyone's, you know, oh, I'm going to get my hands on that. You know, Austin and Rock and all the, you know, the top guys in the best moments generally were fun. Mm. It was more you know, dry humor, sarcasm. Um, when it when it gets, I don't know, it, it just goes to places that aren't very much fun. Yeah. I think one of your most underrated themes of all time is the brood or Gangrel's theme. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, that, I that, that theme is so, so good. I'm, I'm curious to know where you got the idea to figure out that line, play it reverse for the start of the song. I, I, I am dead. I am buried. I've totally forgotten what the actual line was. I think that's that probably it. was one of the producers there, a really creative guy named Chris Chambers. Uh, I worked with him on that. And uh, I, I think that was his idea. And to, to put a line up front. And then I was... the did all the reversing and slowing it down and make it, I, I figured, Hey, it's gotta be ghostly and devilish. But I remember doing that. I couldn't, that, that kind of wah, wah guitar part. I, I couldn't, I had like three different wah, wah pedals and I, I just could not get the sound I was wanting. And you know, all a wah, wah pedal does is it, it's a, it's a tone control in a pedal. And, basically the mid-range frequencies of, of something and it's sweeping them. So as it sweeps, it makes a wah, wah, wah sound. Uh, but I couldn't get enough of it. Like, and it sounded cheesy. So I put, I recorded the guitar straight ahead and then I was on the, this is probably way too technical for 99. No, I'm a guitar player myself, by the way. I probably should have led um, with this. I, I ran it through two different channels of the console, like through one and then out and then into another one. So I could use two EQs at the same time. And I balanced the bands right to the frequency I wanted. And then I played it back and recorded live working the console Wow, wow. And I could turn the controls in perfect rhythm to the song. And I got a much thicker, a much more extreme kind of wah sound that, that I think really helped. Oh, thing. it's such a good theme. Are we and those guys, you know, and the interesting thing, Chris, is when, when I would luck into doing something, you know, and the theme would turn out well, it's then it was a perfect deal when the wrestlers had the talent and gifts to play into that. I always looked at it like a dance is you can have a great theme, but if the guy can't dance to it, mm. then 
you're kind of dead in the water. And yeah. um, and Gangrel and Rude really danced to that. I mean, they sold this sort of uh, nouveau, cool vampire thing that like it's cool to be a vampire. And and they just seemed again, but same deal. You you had fun because it seemed like they were having fun with it. Yes. They came up, they rose out of the ground, they were almost always smiling. <laughs> they were. Funny how that works. <laughs> what was the last theme that you wrote before being released by WWE? I think, well, I wrote quite a few things, but they weren't being used because I, I was being sort of politically squashed. But um, mm. it was uh uh, end of days. Uh, um, Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin's theme, yeah, oh. which which was very apropos because uh, if you look at the lyrics, I've forgotten if I said this earlier or if, if, it, if it was before we were talking before we went on air here. Um, there's there's always um, something personal to the themes um, and a lot of times it's very personal um, and Baron Corbin's was definitely uh, was end of days is uh, you know it's uh, purely uh, if you look at the lyrics it's uh, you know it sounds like an epic end of days I'm bringing end of days on you um, but it's autobiographical I'm, I'm and I don't realize this until look, I look back on it. And it's like, oh, oh my God, you know, it's almost embarrassing. It's so personal. Um, I'm talking about. I know the end's coming. You know, this is this is. Wow. I'm, I'm bowing out. You know, it's good, the big goodbye is is right on the horizon, and it was my end of days at mm-hmm. WWE. And if you. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, there's a lot of stuff in there, and anger, and disappointment, and um, but that happened a lot, you know. Um, Vince's theme, Vince's theme. I wrote Vince's theme, "No Chance in Hell," when I was uh, I was really angry with him. I just seen him had his worst bullish, bullyish self, and. Um, so it was just a literal telling what I saw is like, you know, you have no chance against this guy because he'll just keep coming at me, you know, so you're screwed. Wow. Because he doesn't, he doesn't play by the rules you play by. Yeah. Uh, so you have no chance. There's a little Jim Johnston in every single theme. <laughs> there is. And I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's so strange that that dynamic of, you you write something, and then you don't realize the later that I mean at the time you feel like oh okay so I got I got to crank out this theme okay what am I all right no chance enough all right no chance yeah oh I got um and you look back at it later and it's like oh my god man, that's spooky and it happened many, a million times by the way how, how many different themes can we hear your voice on. Oh, that's an interesting question. I have no idea. Uh, not that, certainly not that many. Uh, for a couple of reasons, 
one, I just didn't sing a whole lot. Yeah. And generally speaking, uh, and to my great frustration, because finding good singers is the most difficult thing I ever deal with. I still deal with it now. Um, once you find a good singer, they're part of that gimmick. Yeah. You, you, like I couldn't use Chris Warren to sing somebody else's theme. I yeah. mean, he was sort of in that DX world forever. Um, you know, is he you the same guy who sang Triple H is my time? Yeah, but I was about to say, you can expand it out yeah, because yeah. Triple H was in DX. And so, you know, okay, you can stretch it that far. But that's as far as you can stretch it because people will hear that voice and go like, oh, that's the guy who sings DX. Yeah. And for me, I, I have always thought it's so crucially important. Um, and I dealt with this when uh, WWE started to... Um, use pieces of outside music. And uh, people there always felt like, oh, well, it makes us bigger if you use this, this piece of music. I believe that's true for something like a pay-per-view theme to brand like a pay-per-view or yeah. WrestleMania, like using Highway to Hell or ACDC song, but not as a theme because I think it's so important that when you hear someone's theme, you have no associations with that other than that person. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can't have Undertaker coming out and people are thinking about the first time they made out with a girlfriend. I mean, you know, to a kid happened, rock song that happened to be the song that was on the radio in the car at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just want hyper focus. You, you want people to be completely immersed in this emotional world of this character or as yeah. close as you can get to it. And outside music, people are, you know, whether they like it or they hate it, that's what they're going to be thinking about when they hear it. So what sneaky song could we hear your voice on that we might not know it's your voice? Oh, there was a SmackDown theme where, uh, that I did where uh, it was sort of my, homage and uh, criticism of the, the, the monster voice, the cookie monster voice uh, in, in, uh, in uh, heavy metal songs where, you know, it's just the guy <laughs> So, uh, and that was another thing where it was a real hurry up thing. So I had, a, you know, I had a pretty good groove going and I needed a singer and I realized I'm not going to have time to sign some heavy metal singer who can do that that weird voice thing and then i thought like well who cares you, you can't even someone you can't tell what they're singing anyway so um i, I sang complete gibberish uh so it was so funny having people try to figure out what the lyrics were i was just going oh no oh no oh no <laughs> and that's slowed, great. slowed my voice down a little bit so i <laughs> you know even though you're not employed by wwe your music is still playing every single week i imagine you still get quite a few royalty checks from wwe yeah well not from wwe but from bmi 
for the those are you know if you look on the back of your CD case or something you'll see BMI or uh, ASCAP those are called Performance Rights Society and, and they are the organizations that uh, collect royalties and distribute them to composers yeah so that that part's nice. So do you get more based on where it's played? Like if your theme is played on Raw versus WrestleMania, if it's played for eight minutes, like an Undertaker entrance versus 30 seconds? Oh, timing, yes, definitely. And where, yes. Like um, if if you have a piece of music that's played for one minute, if it's played on USA Network for one minute, you know, you're going to make, I don't even know what, per minute is like let's say one minute you get a hundred dollars if that played on cbs in prime time uh it could be a couple of thousand dollars so when your themes play on friday night smackdown on fox much more more yeah for sure yeah and, i don't and know, this- you know i've never i've actually never you know tried to it's sort of hard to discern unless you got the exact same piece of music playing on both and you can see, but yes, there, there's a, an absolute sliding scale and it's actually a big controversy going on right now with the performance rights societies because so many people are getting their content through streaming and all the composers who have lots of stuff on streaming services are saying, you know, why are the rates so low when the vast majority of people are watching TV and movies and everything else through a streaming service? Right. Uh, and it has to change because clearly, it, I mean, it's it's happening exponentially fast at this point, the yeah. changeover. I, I, I think the bigger problem, it's happening so fast, I believe the bigger problem now is what are these terrestrial TV station is going to do it. I mean, how is how is a CBS going to transition out of this, you know, to I I, I don't know the answer to yeah. that. I mean, is is you know regular TV as we know it going to basically fade away? I would assume it's going to basically fade away and that new TVs will essentially just be a computer. And you, you'll turn on your computer, yeah. and instead of turning turning to channel two, you'll be turning to CBS.com, right? And streaming from there. So, where can we hear some of your other work right now that's not wrestling related? Because you're doing all kinds of stuff outside of wrestling. Um, well, I've got, you know, in a somewhat related topic to that. Um, the way the music industry works, there, there, every piece of music has two owners. It has the composer and it has the publisher. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's a, a situation like mine, <clears throat> where I'm the sole composer and WWE is the sole publisher. So there are two ways of looking at it. It's like that. Either I own 50% of that composition and they own 50%. But the way the music industry deals with it is really each composition is 200%. I own 100% of the composition side. They own 100% of the publishing side. The weirdness to that system is if you're the publisher, if 
Chris is the publisher. Mm. You have all the power. So Ford could come to us and say like, hey, we want to use Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme for our new F-150X. Yeah. Um, I could say, great idea. I love that. And you could say, no, not into it. And we're not doing it. Wow. It's that simple. Um, and there are all sorts of... So along with that, I can't do anything with my own music because they're the publisher. I would have to go to them for permission to say, I'd like to send this to Ford because I have, I want to pitch an idea. Yeah. And I just want to make sure you guys would be on board if I can sell it. Uh, because if they're not, I'm dead in the water. Uh, which is, is very weird to, to not be able to do something with your own music. I can use it for a demo purpose, you know, sure. demo reel, but, but that's it. So when, uh, post WWE, I found myself in the situation that I have to create a reel of music because I've been busy for all these years, not making my own music. Uh, and, and even a few songs that, that, I, that were my songs that I kind of, I guess you would say loan to WWE. Um, they're now mine, but there's another element in the music business called the master. It's that recording. Mm -hmm. uh, so that recording, they own that recording, even though I own the, the composition side and the publishing side, they own that recording. So I can't use that recording. And this is uh, what's happening now for anyone who are fans of Taylor Swift. Yeah. She's been re-recording Masters to Scooter get control of her music. Masters and not her. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a, there are a lot of unfairnesses in the, the music industry and, and boy, that's a big one that needs to be sorted out. But yeah. so in any case, uh, I've been in the process of, of creating a reel and, and, and that takes time to promote myself basically. So there, there's some stuff that I keep in sort of rotation on my website, um, mainly orchestral stuff. Uh, which I've really enjoyed taking the time to do. But right now I'm working on a bunch of songs, uh, it, including a, a few uh, I'm, I'm throwing out there, uh, which are basically like entrance themes. Because, you know, I've had a couple of ideas where it's like, I got to do that. That's, that's too good. So. Are you, you're also scoring films, scoring TV shows as well? No, I'm trying to, I'm tr that's what I'm trying to do. And yeah. I'm, I'm just about to sign with someone in, in Hollywood or sort of in negotiation with them. So, this is exciting. Yeah. 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 No, everything's great. Um, it's, it's a, a little scattered and it, you know, getting out of WWE, it's, it's like going through a divorce. You know, you've been doing the same thing for so long. Yeah. Um, there's a considerable amount of emotion that happens and readjusting yourself because, you know, you, you, for so long, you've just gotten up every morning and you're doing the same thing and you know what's on your table. And then you get up one morning and that's no longer on the table or, yeah. or that 
person is no longer laying next to you anymore. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that takes adjustment or it did for me. Sure. Yeah. I think it seems obvious that you're a hall of famer, but do you think that WWE will induct you into their hall of fame? I think if they haven't already, they're not going to. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, it's one of those kind of pesky things where you don't want to be uh, petty about it. But it's like, you guys did fire me. And now you want me to come back and kind of put you over by doing, you know, the Hall of Fame. So it's, it's, you know, would it, would it be an honor? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, would it be uncomfortable? Uh, it certainly would be uncomfortable because there are a number of people there that I would be thrilled not to see again and not to have to shake their hand and pretend that we're all friendly. Um, but I don't know, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's not a big aspect of my life now and uh, I'm loving what I'm doing. And, um, you know, one of the really exciting things and positive things after doing the WWE thing for so long is to be able to come to the studio and write whatever you want. Yeah. You know, of not being told like, okay, you know, Chris needs a theme and we need. I do. I need a theme. Yeah. I'll do a theme for you. You want oh a theme? Oh my God. I would I'll die a theme. happy man after that. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be thrilled to do a theme for you. What do you think? Would, what would be a theme for you? What, what's oh your my. best guess? Boy, we, we could be on this for the next four hours trying to figure this out. But I was a backyard wrestler when I was 16. Really? And I had a, a Rage Against the Machine song because I was a heel. Uh-huh. It was, I can't remember what it was called, but that was my theme song. I don't know. I mean, I'm. Do you think like, you'd be more comfortable being a baby face or a heel? I think I'd be a baby face now. I mean, I'd like to think that I'm pretty positive and charismatic and happy. I like to smile. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah. That comes off. But, but sometimes they make the best heels because, mm. you know, think about your. The easiest way is think about your favorite films in particular. The, the best bad guys are the most outstanding. Hannibal mm. Lecter. Uh, you know, they're not the seedy, uh, ugly, uh, dirty, you know, it, that's, it's sort of trite. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, you're a bad guy. I get it. You know, please slap me in the face again. Um, but, you know, it's that person or, or like the mystery thing where there's this charming, perfect guy. It's like, well, he's not the serial killer. I mean, my yeah. God, Evan, this guy is, this is the guy who's trying his best to save everyone and catch right. the serial killer. Yeah. So those are the best guys to find out he's the serial killer. <laughs> yeah, you know, because the the good guys are only as good as the bad guys are bad. Mm. And if you're if you're going to play Superman, you better pray that they come up with 
you know, a Joker dude or Batman. That Lex Luthor. Who's like, he's really bad. I mean, he's yeah. really messed up, sick guy. And so that makes Batman better because, A, it's challenging to win. It, it's meaningful to win. And this other guy is so bad and so scary. And even though you know it's only a movie, you can't help but think like, man, there are probably guys out there like this. And these people need to be killed, you know, and, and put away because, the, you know, that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so to have bad guys who are really dangerous, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to go the – also, I'm a bit of a contrarian where – I don't like if if there was a new uh, black guy wrestler uh, immediately, like the last thing I want to do is hip hop. It's like, oh, my God. OK, yeah, he's black. So let's do hip hop. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just it's like, no. How about let's do anything but hip hop? Yeah. Um, so you say that. And, and, and my first impression when we start talking about a theme for you would be something very mysterious, mm. uh, very dark, and uh, uh, and and still could be used for your show because it would come off like, what am I doing this week? Who knows? Oh. I mean, you know, I could be interviewing Jim. I could be viewing, interviewing The Rock. I could be surfing. I could be mm. climbing a mountain. You know, it could be interviewing some beautiful woman, you know, I like as opposed pick up, pick up to a lot of time, a... you know, it's like you're already the whole upbeat, you know, healthy, good looking, handsome guy and fit and everything. You don't need music to sell that. You sell that. You mm -hmm. already sold it. So now you're being redundant. Your, your, your music is saying the obvious. I think you want you want music to be kind of a subtext that's saying something deeper about what you believe or, or what's going on underneath the surface. I this is like a masterclass here. I love this. <laughs> but as we wrap this up, Jim, can you pick up your guitar and give me a little riff of what the Chris Van Vliet theme would sound like? I, uh, uh, it, no, it would be a, it would be a, uh, it'd be a piano written thing. It's a piano riff. I don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh I, 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 I'll never think of it. But Whatever you I just came I, up I, with is good it, enough I'll, for me. I'll, I'll do it. Here you go. It, uh, it's something like it's, it's this. <laughs> something like that. Something in that category. <laughs> This um, has been this has been such a treat talking. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's been great oh to spend gosh. some time with you. I love it, and I want to be respectful of your time. But uh, I, I end every interview talking about gratitude because it's such an important thing in my life, and you see oh, it right here. I, I love this. That be big, great. Be too. grateful. Me too. Um, so I start and end every day saying out loud three things that I'm grateful for. So I end every interview the same way. I, I want to ask you, Jim, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Uh, I'm grateful for this period of time. Um, I, I've always been a pretty instinctual person, and, and I feel the wave coming that um, 
you know, there's been this huge chapter one in my life, WWE. And so I'm very grateful this, for this interim time because chapter two is, is, is so eminent. I mean, like truly potentially days eminent away. Um, just uh, so many different things conspiring in a good way in my life. Love it. Um, uh, my wife, without question, she keeps me centered and, and, um, and, um, you know, sane and fed and, uh, all sorts of good things. Um, and, um, I'm grateful for just being, uh, I, 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 you know, I, as uncomfortable as I know it makes some people, I, I'm being dishonest if I don't say it. I've just been so blessed by God to live a great life, to, uh, to just have great good fortune. And, and, um, and in that whole relationship, I take that, seriously in that I, I have a responsibility in that relationship. I don't think he just feeds you stuff for free. I feel like I do my part. I work hard. And, and, uh, I have a very strong work ethic and responsibility to what I do. And, but I feel like I got this great gift and, uh, and I feel like it's my responsibility to get it out there. Yeah, uh, and so I'm I'm grateful that I've had this great opportunity to get it out there through WWE, and I'm really happy to see some things opening up here, um, uh, to so uh, some chapter two outlets. Give me your well, three. On behalf of wrestling fans all around the world, mm. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for scoring our childhoods. Thank you for scoring <laughs> our adolescent years. Thank you for all of the memories that are linked to simply you just making some incredible music. Thank you. You're you think you, could you do us the great honor of playing us out? Sure. What do you want to hear? Oh my. What, what do I want to hear? Well, you know, and, and also be aware that, you know, like if it's a rock theme, it's, it's not, it, it, I mean, well, it's just one of me. So it's not going to. Of course. Start. I think we should go back to the piano and. Undertaker? Play the Undertaker. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. What a way to end an interview. What a fascinating man. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity to have shared this time with Jim Johnston. A huge thank you to him 
for this conversation. And I'm so excited to see and hear what's next for him. Share this interview with someone who you know will love it. Take a screenshot, tag me on social media. I'm at Chris Fleet. And hey, if you have Instagram, I'm also giving away a big gold belt from Fandu Belts on there. So make sure to check that out. I'll leave you with this quote from Andrew Murray, who says, you are confined only by the walls you build yourself. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.